1: Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to The Future of Entrepreneurship, of Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury.
0: You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What you're about to hear is an unscripted, one-time counseling session focused on work. For the purposes of maintaining confidentiality, names, employers, and other identifiable characteristics have been removed. But their voices and their stories are real.
2: Voila, sit, sit, okay, sit. Aussi, sit. Vous sit anywhere you want. Yeah. We're gonna speak in English. And okay. if you yes. have any difficulty, yes. you just say the word yes, and we will translate for you. So okay. that it doesn't matter. Cool. This office welcomes every passport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just I feel continually undermined.
2: The job has always been that place where I've been needed and I feel important. A lot of the people that work for me are like an extension of my family. There's no doubt that your emotional and relational dowry comes with you to work. Imagine going to work every day in a really busy place and no one will make eye contact with you.
1: I mean, it feels like a breakup.
2: It doesn't feel. It is. (laughs) (laughs) So. How's work? I mean, for most of for most of history, you did what your family did. Basically, you did what your father did if you were a man and you did what your mother did if you were a woman. The seamstress, the carpenter, the shoemaker. You had a trade and you learned the trade of the family. This is very recent, actually, that we get to decide what we want to do. And today, all of this has become splintered and personalized and privatized. But still. Within our market economy, many, many companies are family businesses, from very small to very large. And they bring a cluster of issues that are unique to the melding between family and business. You call it family business Mm -hmm. or mom business? Family business. Explain.
3: I think it's because we're together, so it's... um
2: so the family business means the two of you? I think so, right. yes. Okay. In this session, I work with a woman who created her own real estate company 25 years ago. She's been very successful. In the past six years, her younger son has joined her into the business. And as you can hear, they are French speaking. And what would you hear that as a kid or a teenager or a young adult began to draw you?
3: It was a part of daily life, discussions at dinner, Came before, with
2: breakfast as well as dinner?
3: Breakfast, lunch, dinner, <laughs> afternoon <laughs> snacks.
2: <laughs> Sometimes it's the opposite. Like, I grew up above a store, mm-hmm. a family shop, and we talked about the store, breakfast, lunch and dinner, and I told myself, I will never enter this shop.
3: <laughs> I think it's the energy. Because as a young child, you don't understand the technicalities of the, of the job itself. But you feel the energy and you feel the, the way that a person is passionate about something. It draws you, if you're attracted to it from the start. Because I have a brother who's a doctor, who's doing something totally different, um, who I think reacted in a different way. But for me, the whole idea behind it um, attracted me.
2: Look, I think that in every family business, one of the great challenges is to separate the mother-child or the parent-child relation from the, either the boss and the worker or the partners, or meaning to step outside of the mode of family and into the mode of the roles of work, right? Absolutely.
3: Most people, it's either sons or daughters working with their fathers. Um, But I don't know many men that work with their mom. It's often, I think it's the contrary. I might say that I'm a mama's boy, always have been, but in the the workplace, the first three years or three, four years have been very, very difficult because when do I behave as her son and when do I behave as an employee or when do I behave as a partner? Those lines are very thin. Mm -hmm. It's very complicated. And in the beginning, having finishing, finishing my degree, thinking, I know it all, I'm the big boss, I know everything, I studied management, I will come and I will arrange everything here. Putting your ego aside as a young person who thinks who knows it all, shutting up, listen, learn, it's something that's very difficult. I think it's difficult in general with any type of boss or any kind of work environment, but when you're so emotionally close to the person, I think rejection and accepting failure from that person can be difficult. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: I think in the beginning, it was um, a lot of shouting and a lot of um, deception. Um, Deception,
2: disappointment.
3: Disappointment, disappointment.
2: That's a a word that in English and in French means something very Ah, different. Okay. How do you describe the situation? What is the conversation that needs to happen that wouldn't happen or that hasn't happened yet between the two of you, and for which this space, mm-hmm. you hope, will be conducive. Mm-hmm.
4: The situation is as follows. Um, I created the business from zero, and I did it all alone. Everything, all the things that had to be done, from publicity to sales to marketing to everything, I did alone. But I always was the only boss. And... Um, comes a moment when my son phones me after his studies and he said, Ma'am, I'm coming to you. I will never forget that moment. I'm coming to you. I was happy because in the meanwhile, I I've put on a, an office with a secretary, with people, salespeople and so on, and I needed somebody. And who could be better than my own son because of trust, because of potential, and so on, and I hoped he had the potential, and I'm not deceived about that, because this is 100%... Deceived, no? Disappointed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> disappointed. Actually, in this moment, the deceived would have been a good use of the word. He didn't deceive me, meaning he didn't lie to me about how capable he is. <laughs> exactly. It actually, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this word is going to become useful today.
4: <laughs> um, he was still young coming fresh out from from university, 22. Uh, And I had to swallow a lot, a lot of things during the first years, but I said to myself, look, if I'm not doing it with my own son, with whom shall I do it? But it was not easy at all. There are only women in the office. He came as a a young boy, uh, sometimes arrogant, sometimes very difficult because he's a very difficult character. Sometimes.
3: No, no, I was very arrogant at the time. Yes. I'm I'm not ashamed to tell.
2: <laughs> you can turn to
1: him
3: as <laughs>
2: you talk. You're looking out the window. <laughs> Both I'm, of I'm you are not, looking at the New York landscape. You know <laughs>
4: <laughs> and okay, and through the through the years I always come to the same point. I said Mert <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'm, I'm there already 25 years and he's coming and he thinks he knows better. And you know what? Sometimes he's doing it better. And that is also frustrating for me because sometimes, and the, lately, I feel totally overwhelmed with things that I cannot follow. When I started the business, I had a fax machine. No. The way to, to, to do the business to Facebook, Instagram, and so on, I have to keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. It takes for me a lot of energy also. And I'm still in a human business. I mean, selling houses to people is a human business. You have to approach this emotional side. And sometimes I feel that this generation or my son is thinking about the money and the commission and how to do and this and that, and not enough about the human side of the work. And this
2: disturbs me. I'm gonna do this. Talk to him. Yeah. Turn first of all. Your bodies are facing me and I listen, I enter, but it's almost like I can be a souffleur from the back Mm -hmm. while you are having this conversation. I don't even know how much you need me. Sometimes people come into my office but they don't really want to talk to each other. And sometimes people come, and I know that they're dying to talk to each other. What they need is a container. In this case, I realized that they've been talking to each other in their heads for a while. And this is the opportunity for them to actually say some of these things out loud. And for that, they need to really look at each other rather than at me. It's, it's not difficult to talk to me. I'm not the one that's involved. So just to turn the bodies, to face each other, to look into each other's eyes, this is what happens in a session. A session is uninterrupted. There is just the human presence of people who are trying to work something out, or to connect, or to clear out all kinds of old debris. You just need to sit and dig. Mm
4: -hmm. I'm 61 and I have a problem now. I don't know how I will go on and for how long I will go on. You have your whole life in front of you. I I don't. And I'm here because I don't know... How do you say it? My references. References? Uh, I cannot find my references a- anymore. Comes a moment when I want to say, maybe there's something else for me. I don't know where I stand anymore. This is my problem. And maybe that's why I'm so nervous sometimes. You know, sometimes I'm at the office, I see that he's uh, b- bad-tempered, I said, oh, maybe he's hungry, I'm going to the supermarket, the mama again. And I do, I, I do like this, I do are you okay, are you okay? face. his Where's the mom? Where's the boss? Difficult. Wow. <laughs> Some, and also, when I tell you, don't tell the, the, the clients, my mom is busy, she will phone you back. Tell missus, will phone you back. <laughs> All those things, you have to adapt. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. difficult. But I have, I have a question. I have a question. And I have a question to you. Do you still need me? This I want to know. Do you still need me? Honestly.
3: The, the way it has been the last five, six years, it has been um, a learning curve. And um, I still learn every day from you. But it's more of a way that I don't need you to hold my hand as much anymore. You can loosen it a little bit or I, I can let the hand go a little bit as well. For my years to come, it's more knowing that you have my back more than you hold my hands.
4: There will come a moment where I will not be there anymore. You have, you, you will have to be alone. I'm thinking a lot about that.
1: It's
2: mm-hmm. good to know. Do you know that?
3: Subconsciously, I do.
2: It's one thing to have your boss say, I'm not going to be here forever. It's something very different when it's your mother that says to you, because in that moment, she's the mother. When when I ask him, do you know that? I'm not just asking, do you know that chronologically at some point she's going to get older. It's also that you're basically saying to the son, one day you will not have your mother next to you. And that resonance that the same sentence actually speaks at many different levels of the emotional layering of their relationship is very poignant in that moment
3: you're a little bit less present Um, you come later in the office um, you're letting it go one one day at a time and um, to be very open it's, it's not that i don't feel supported i feel very much supported and having the ability to have the freedom to do anything I like at a young age, if I had to do it somewhere else, it would have taken me 10 to 15 years. So I'm very, very much grateful for it.
4: But you know, this is also one of my problems. He reached the point that he's able to do it himself and he's, he's better than I was because he has um, relational skills that I did not have. I, I worked my way, and I did it my way, and, and he's doing it his, his way. Right? How would you describe the difference? Um, he, uh, he works and he knows what he has behind him. I did not have nothing behind me. How can I tell you? Um, he's, he's reassured. He You have
2: confidence.: Yes, you have confidence. You have a self-confidence that I did not have. What I'm hearing you say is that his confidence comes from knowing that he's not alone, that he can take certain risks or he can venture out because you are there and that you had no backing and you were all alone and so you held yourself back more. But see, the question is always, what is personality and what is context, right? Is it that he comes with a certain confidence that developed over the years, that comes from his relationship with you and dad and the world, and, and he has a level of confidence today, not when he was arrogant, because arrogance is basically a mask for insecurity and, uh, and lack of confidence, mm-hmm. or is it that the structure is such that it also, because it could be a both end, lends him the confidence because he's not alone? Okay, I'm sure that
4: I gave him confidence. Isn't it?
3: 100%.
4: Me, all those years, I did not have that.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: My parents never said, it's fantastic what you do. At the contrary, they they broke me constantly. Oh, you're just a broker. Oh, when you will sell the few houses, you will be finished. So I never had that. And it's such a stressful work that you have to speak with. I never had that belief in me. They had to, they had to at the end, they had to admit that I became somebody. Did they? I think so. They never told me, but I think so, yes. But at the end I did not need it anymore.
2: Hmm. That's what changed. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: did it before. It was a hard struggle. For myself, terrible struggle.
2: This is such an important moment because now she's also bringing in the intergenerational part. My parents did not support me. My parents, in fact, undermined me and questioned me all the time. That's part of why I did not feel that I had that confidence. You, my son, I did give you that sense of confidence. You were not alone, not just because I was there before you, but because of the way that I was there for you. He
4: can always come to me and because I know the business and I know how to do, I'm backing him the whole time. So maybe that's my positive
2: point. Maybe that's what I have to do. It's interesting because I'm, I'm at the moment when I'm thinking to myself: is the conversation about how we continue, or is the conversation an assessment of you saying to him, "I think I'm about to want to stop," and I want to know where you are at with that?
3: It's a bit of both, because one leads to another.
2: Yes. Why?
3: If you decide, I want to quit. It's not so much about when you will stop, but more about... How. How. And how much of the total responsibility are you willing to, to hand over? And not only
4: that, after all those years, I know so many people. And people want me. They come to the office, said, OK, Mrs., we want, we want to deal with you. We would like to deal with you. And then I have to say, look, my son is even better than me. And... Or, It's many times it it happens like this. And I would like to come to a moment when they're coming for him.
3: It puts a lot of pressure on me because I would have to to double-proof myself. One to the business, no, triple-proof myself. One to the business, the people who I work with, because I'm the son of. So I have to prove to the other people when the day that you will be gone that I'm able to handle it to gain their respect. That's one. Then I have you as a mother and a boss together, and I have the people also that I have to. So it's a, it's, a lot, it's a lot to take in.
2: Another dynamic that really appears in so many of the family business, when a person enters from the second generation, the question always remains, could I have done it myself? And am I here just because I am the child of, or because I'm here by my own merits? And if a door opens, can I be honest about the fact that this door always opened to me because I am the son or the daughter of? And sometimes there's a lot of self doubt that gets generated about it. Sometimes there is a denial of the nepotism that actually takes place. And sometimes there's a deep wish to know that I am here because of me and not because I am the son of or the daughter of. Now, remember, in many, many parts of the world, we are named, and the next part of our name is son of or daughter of. You know, Esther, Bat, daughter of. Adam, Ibn, son of. Knudsen in Sweden, son of, I mean, our names really have always been markers of the family chain that we were part of. We are among the first generations here who are naming ourselves, who are claiming our identity, and who are thinking that we can do such a thing as to tell our own story. All of this is what gets challenged and lies underneath the old story of family business. But you started with something that I think really is the piece you want to hold. You said, I have been in this business my entire life. And that's the thing you want to convey. It's not just I'm 28 and I'm working six years in the business. It's that the rest, the stuff that you've absorbed with osmosis, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I think that family business, that impregnation that children have by just listening to the stories, you know, that's the training. And that is a very different training that no single school will give you. By the time you enter, you know the stuff that is actually more intuitive and more intangible. But the word you haven't used, which I think is a a transition word that could be very useful, that is not boss, that is not mom, that is called mentor. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: If I would say that you're my mentor, would you accept it?
4: Yes, <laughs> yes. It's a nice. It's a beautiful yes. role. <laughs> well,
3: problem solved. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe there wasn't a
3: problem, but I think it's. I, I don't think it has to be said because it's obvious.
2: Uh, it, you know, certain things change meaning when they are named correctly, mm-hmm. exactly, okay. or renamed, and you know, when you actually talk to your clients and you say, my son is as good as me, yeah. you're talking from the place of the mother that's trying to convince the client, Perfect. you know what, I'm mm-hmm. the mother, but, but I can tell you, yeah. you know, if I didn't think he was good, he wouldn't yeah. be here. Stop calling him my son. Absolutely. Now, on the other end, you could say a family business, it is, mm-hmm. and it's, it's an explicit identity to the business. Or you say, I don't want that to be the the identity of the business, then stop calling him your son. It's so correct what you say. So maybe we should change the name of the firm.
4: (laughs) You know that sometimes you are going together to to take a house for sale. And after 20 minutes, it comes out, ah, you are mother and son. I feel so uncomfortable at that moment. Really? (laughs) I feel that um, we are devalued. The, no, the, the, le, uh, the balance. balance the balance is shifted. Is
2: Between that? the two of you or no, is the
4: situation. Suddenly it's mother and son who are coming there. It's not the, the boss with an important person of the office. The fact that that you are the family at that moment doesn't
2: um, match? Match it doesn't match the the, the purpose of the work. So now, explain the bias. This is a fundamental bias. Look, I enter a house with him,
4: okay? Every, what is important? The look. How do you get somebody convinced to give his house for sale? The look that you have. The way you are dressed, the way you speak, the way you, 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 you come with material to prove that you're very good agency, and mm-hmm. so on and so on. Mm-hmm. But comes a moment when they look or they say, ah, it's mother and son. At that moment, I feel bad. I'm losing the business. Why? Because the strength is away. Cannot explain. Because mother can't be businesswoman. What's the bias? Because what happens at that moment? Ah, you are mother and son. Yes, yes, let me see. You look like each other. Now you tell me, I should have seen it before. And then you shift into a conversation that's not professional anymore, and that's not. The relation is not, is not so. Strong, this is the word. It's softer, it's too soft for business.
2: Yes, and when a woman, too soft for and business. And when the woman becomes identified with mother, yes, she loses, she loses also. punch, professional
4: business punch power. Um, Yes, but not always, because when they ask me, are you sure you can sell my house? I said, look, all my files, I always say, is like my babies. I'm busy with all my files like my babies, and people like that.
2: (laughs) No sooner have we established the prejudice the bias, she then starts to give me a beautiful example of how she subverts the bias and how she uses the mother metaphor to her advantage. I think that what you're saying here is something that is archaic, probably true, but archaic and massively a patriarchal bias. Mm-hmm. Because there is not a situation where a father, and by the way, a father coming with his daughter, for that matter, would not have that incestuous quality that you're talking about that becomes less powerful on the business front because you have now shown your softer side.
3: Ultimately, now that we're discussing it, have we lost so much business because of it? No. I think we have always found a way to to be creative and, enter, enter, and turn it around. True. I would say that... of all the time that we went together to a listing pitch, mm-hmm. um, we lost 25 to 30% because of it. Two, two to not, three out of ten. Uh, not even. No, I think more than we think. I'm, no. I'm more pessimistic. Yes, yes 100%.
4: Yeah, this is... What is My a mama's boy?
3: boy? What it is for me or what I think it is in general? Both. Both. What is for me a mama's boy is a boy that is very attached to his mother um, for which he things or for whom he thinks the mother will always be there, whatever, whatever would happen. And I think in general it is also the same.
2: And you feel like this with me?
3: I hope that you will always have my back.
2: <laughs> That's not an answer to the question she just
3: asked.
2: Ah. Um, Do so you feel this way? Yeah, a little
3: bit. I always think we had a very special relationship. And I'm not not scared to say it.
2: I would imagine the opposite. I would imagine that you would feel full when you say it. That your heart fills up and that it's fantastic. Because you see... It's a a good feeling. Of course. It's so interesting, right? On the one hand, we're talking business and family business and all that. And on the other hand, we're talking about a few major archaic... Remnants, that's what you're grappling with when you say it like this. Like, I'm not scared to say it. It's actually like, you know, it doesn't take anything away from me. Rather than to say, I am so lucky. But you see, men don't do it like that. you're not alone with this. Mm-hmm. Mama's boy means, generally, can't make any step without mama, and therefore is a truncated man.
4: But it's this never... is not
2: the case. Of course not. That's why, you if you're gonna use the term, turn it on its head and make it the source of, of the pride and the joy that it gives you but this well, happens a
3: lot I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, yeah, yeah. But, this, this, but this happens a lot it comes up and I say I'm working with my with my mother and we've been doing it we've been doing it for a couple of years but I'm learning from the best and I'm loving it and, and and I say it very often and if there's one person I would I would mostly want to do it with it would be from her because she has the experience she knows what she's doing and I can only learn it from her
2: What I'm referring to when I think about the archaic remnants is that it seems to me that no man has to worry that if he reveals in a business meeting that he's also a father or that he has children, that someone would question his business acumen because of that very fact. Whereas that is what is being discussed here for her as a woman when she reveals that she's the mother and on top of it that her son is right next to her. And the same thing is true when he says, I have a deep attachment to my mother. Can a young man say, I'm deeply attached to my mother. We have a uniquely close relationship and defy the immediate question that follows of what is the state of your masculinity. The disempowering of the woman on the one hand and the emasculation of the man on the other hand, those are the arguments. Cake stereotypes that are being discussed here in the midst of this conversation about where do we go as partners? And as the mother of two sons, I really hope one day a man can say, I'm very, very close to my mother without having to add, and I'm not scared to say it. And I would hope that a woman can say, I'm a tough businesswoman and I have five children. Then we will have a new world order.
1: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prof G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: A mama's boy. Does he keep the stories of his own intimate life for himself? Because why? Why? Why I'm speaking about that? He never talks about it. We never talk about that. So it's not that we have a completely uh, enmeshed, enmeshed, um, yeah. yes, uh, relation. I have another son. It's not the same. He can talk about his things with me without problem. But the one with whom I work, he shut it completely.
3: Are you scared that you are losing your son to an employee?
4: Sometimes.
3: So are you scared that the only thing that we will have is not the emotional bond that you created and you nurtured for 28 years now, but that the only thing that we will have left is discussing uh, that house, that apartment, this and that. Exactly,
4: exactly. Sometimes I have that feeling, that when we are out of speaking about the last deal and the last thing and the last that, you go your life, I'm not part of it anymore. Yes,
2: I do. (laughs)
0: Yes,
2: Bring in the other people. Like for example, I'm just thinking when you yeah. give, if you're gonna give over the business to him, what does what implications does this have for your other kid? Right? I mean, th- th- there are issues of legacy and there are issues of succession. Yes, there it's are- a
4: huge issue. I don't even know how to handle it. I love both my kids the same, not the same way, but as much, uh, and I. I don't know how to do not to privilege one against the other in, in many ways. My concern is also what will happen afterwards between the two brothers. I don't want any... any uh, Cain and Abel. Yeah, any, any Cain and Abel,
2: yeah. How does he see the two of you? Um.
4: I think it's, it, it disturbs him. I think he's like kind of jealous. Jealous is not really the... But maybe he's somewhere frustrated not to be part of it. I think so. You think so? I think so. Now that we're speaking about it, and I'm happy we're speaking about that also, I'd wish that you would have with him a better relationship. It's important. You say the same to the other?
2: Not... No.
4: I ju- I, it's the first time I said it. Oh, is wow. That,
0: Mm-hmm. But do you um, think
3: we have a bad relationship?
2: No, let's not go into good-bad. What good. is it that needs to happen, or that you would like to happen? What's your dream? You, you know, um, bottom
4: line, I would like them to have more respect, one for each other. They have a brotherly love together, but the respect is not there. enough. What do you
3: think? Mm. I don't think it's an issue of respect. I think I've, I have. I think I think there is a lot of respect. At the end, I just think there is not a lot of understanding.
4: True, respect was not the, the the exact word.
3: It's. I don't think. I realize how difficult it is what he's doing on all levels, because he's a surgeon technically, nor chemically, nor...
2: Emotionally.
3: Emotionally, um, all the time and efforts and stress. And I don't think that he realizes how difficult and how intense our line of work is too. Absolutely. It's not a matter of respect. I respect it a lot, what he's doing. I think ultimately he respects me as well. It's just, it's it's understanding.
4: He never asks questions.
3: And he never explains either, nor do I.
4: So maybe you should. You,
2: have to you know, speak. the more I listen to you and the more impressed I am of how many layers of relational systems you straddle. I just want you to know, well, I think you're handling an enormous amount of stuff. And I, for that matter, think you handle it very well. Your awareness of things, your ability to think about how the other person thinks about things, it's very discerning. I just wanted to tell you that.
3: That's kind, thank you.
2: And, you know, when you talk, I map. I map you and your brother, you and the clients, you and the other salespeople, you and your mother, you and your father, which we haven't addressed. And when you begin to add it up like that, it becomes a complex, you know, molecule Mm -hmm. (laughs) of relationships. And, um, And I think you handle a lot of it quite beautifully, period. And I'm saying this to him, but I'm also saying this to you. That's great. (laughs) <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> it's you know probably in the midst of this you have fights and you have screams and you have but all of this is right there as well and family business is the most difficult one to straddle because you straddle both because if you lay somebody off you never see them again <laughs> but if if you lay off your son he remains yeah. your son <laughs> you know you I may you may have had a terrible week you may still meet on on on, on the weekend <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the ability to maneuver that is one of the essential qualities of family business. What is the role
4: of the father in a mother, son? Great question. Start together first. I, I, I want to know how you see it. I know how I see it, but I would like to know, how do you see your father in, in that picture? We, we, we never talk about the father here. The father, which is also your husband. Yes. <laughs> my <a> husband, <laughs> his father. Because he's also part of the, of the For business. Sure. He's doing all the financial uh, operation. He's the C- CFO?
3: He's doing the accounting and uh, the back end. Yes. Not the, at the, the, the office. Non, from, the, non, from the non-visible but part. But you
2: never say I work with my father and my mother. So here, even here, you've never said I work with my parents.
3: I said it's a family business.
2: <laughs> Don't play with me. <laughs> <laughs> the whole conversation has been about working with mom. But in fact, you work with both your parents. Mm-hmm. And that is true. It is not presented like that.
3: It's true, for sure. Although the company holds his name, he's not the face of the company. And for me, that's not the same. For me, it's my name. And... Ultimately, hopefully, one day it will be the face as well. That's a question I have for you. Do you ever feel regret that it's not your name holding the company?
4: Sometimes, yes. It's a good question. It's a very good question. It's fundamental. It's his name. And I'm using his name, already 30 years.
3: But you cannot and I neglect have a big
4: problem with that.
3: But you cannot neglect the contribution. Of course not. Of course not.
4: Look, when you were young, uh, a baby, and, 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 and your brother also, he did everything that I could uh, study, and, 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 and study the business, and start the business, and uh, he was babysitting, and keeping, and so on. He never complained. I have the whole gratitude towards him for that. But it's true that after all these years, it's not my name. But for you, it's different. It's your name.
3: But is it so important? It's not important. I
4: never thought about it, but lately, it seems important for me. After all this achievement, I said all this achievement.
3: Because it's an issue of legacy, but I am telling you...
4: it's an issue of patriarchy. I have to tell you that socially lately, I used few times my own name. Nobody knows that, but I gave my own name. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but I that's what so I'm saying, good, is that when, I felt so good, right. <laughs> it was like a discovery. <laughs> Meaning, this is an interesting moment for you, because you made a very beautiful distinction when you talked about your brother, between respect and understanding. This is a moment when you need to bring your curiosity to her and try to be more understanding. What is at stake? Do you think your girlfriend, if she ever married you, would keep her name?
3: Or she she would would take your name? I don't care.
2: Right. But she has a choice. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Okay. Your mom is from a generation that didn't have that choice. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And so the name and the identity that comes with the name And the difference between there is my face, but it's not my identity, or there is my face, but there is not my name. That is a real generational story, and primarily of women. That's what I meant by patriarchal, by by an, an old social structure. It's a given that you take the name of the father. Why?
0: I understand. Right.
2: So that's the conversation. Do you think that you began to use your maiden name after your father died? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely.
4: Very interesting.
2: She had written in the intake forms that her father had recently passed away. And it occurred to me that it was his death that now allowed her to claim her name as hers and not just as the name of her father. And that this notion of which is my name, the wife of, the daughter of, rather than the woman I am, had become much more central for her in these past few years. Where I live,
4: everybody knows me by the name of my husband. And my own name is Buried. Finnish. Dead. It's important for him to understand that for me. Tell him. It's important that you know that.
3: Okay. So it's important for you also to tell my father and to tell your husband that he, you have sacrificed this piece of yourself that you that you recognize today that is so important. He needs to know that. And you need to know and understand all his sacrifices and everything that he did. Because there is an equality there. Even though it's not a monetary equality or an income equality, it's a personal equality. What was his sacrifices?
4: The fact that his wife was earning more than him? That he had been always the underdog?
3: It's not a question of underdog. I think it's, it's attaching a level of importance to things. You attach a lot of importance to the business, to the time, to the monetary, the financially. And he attached a lot of importance mm-hmm. to the role that was socially accepted to, to be for the wife and not the husband, for people, in your generation. And he has done it without compromise, without discussion, for as much as I know. And you have to be able to realize it, that, it's, that these two things today's, in today's world are equal. And that's an important thing to know.
4: But do you, you, you do realize that you don't have parents like your other friends. For sure. That by us, the rules are completely...
2: How did you understand what he just said?
3: I think she understood by saying that the rules are different, by accepting it and acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. Um, He's
4: cooking every day, and he's dealing with uh, things at home.
3: And he took a lot of joy from it.
4: Yeah. He feels good at it.
3: Okay. And I think you balance each other much more than you think, or much more than you realize.
4: You, you never felt uneasy with that?
3: When because I... it's very
4: important, that. It's very important. The way, the, the relation that we have now for work is based on the relation that you have at home with the parents and, and, and
2: how you see that. Part of what you're highlighting is is that from where he comes from, he thinks that your arrangement with your husband is a rather egalitarian arrangement. Where two people contributed in a way that allowed the other person to do what they did best. It's very... That's a different definition of egalitarian. Yes, And absolutely. so, you know...
3: You have never seen it in this no. way? No. Because you were looking at it from a monetary perspective.
4: No. No, not a monetary perspective. No, but you you could have said, uh, I'm ashamed of my father. Because for years he's not working. He's he's there at home the whole time, doing nothing and and so on. But you did not say that.
3: It's good. No, because he could have been very jealous. He could have been very... Um, he's, not he's, competitive, he's
2: not jealous envious.
4: he's not, and, and, he's not jealous because he's not ambitious
3: no you cannot say that because maybe he can be ambitious in a different sense but what Dad did is he gave you the space and the freedom to do it by accepting all the other roles that were perceived as not for the man to do That there should come from both of your sides great pride and love for giving each other the freedom to do what you do best.
2: That's mm-hmm. a whole different view on your marriage than the one you have, right? <laughs> and on the gender dynamics and the power structures. Well, well. <laughs> This is the moment where things begin to sink in for her. Because her own son has just given her an entirely different rendering on her marriage. And she would never accept the primary breadwinner being the man saying, my wife at home does nothing. And so what she highlights here is the way that she too has fallen into the trap of the old gender-structured patriarchal model. For years, on some level, she lived with the idea, A, that she had done it all alone, when in fact, her husband had been a primary contributor as an active CFO in the company, but that was never mentioned. For years, she thought, I'm the man of the house, rather than my man is making it possible for me to be the woman I want to be. And for years, she thought that her sons would be embarrassed by having a stay-at-home dad who had no ambition, which the son reinterpreted as, the ambition of my father was to let you shine. I'm going to simply put three dots at the end of this sentence because it's not a concluded conversation, but it's where we are.
3: Thank you very much.
2: Thank but you. you guys can continue this conversation even as you leave here. This piece about that. We will. We shall. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a revelation for you, Mom. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Esther.
0: Esther Perel is a best selling author, speaker, and host of the podcast, Where Should We Begin? To learn more about Esther Perel's world, to sign up for her newsletter or to apply to be on the podcast, go to esterperel.com slash How's How's Work is produced by Magnificent Noise for Gimlet and Esther Perel Productions. Our production staff includes Eric Newsom, Eva Wolchover, Destry Sibley, Alex Lewis, Kristen Muller, and our coordinating producer is Lindsay Rutowski. Our recording engineer is Noriko Okabe, And Damon Whittemore is our mix engineer. The theme song was written by Doug Slaywin, and the executive producers of How's Work are Esther Perel and Jesse Baker. We would also like to thank Nazanin Rafsanjani, Matt Lieber, Darian LaBeach, Courtney Hamilton, Kelly Rose, Nick Oxenhorn, Dr. Guy Winch, Catherine Minshew, and her team at the Muse, Paul Schneider, Thomas Curry. Shani Avaram, and Jack Saul.
1: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prof G podcast and an entrepreneur myself.